Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I loved getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa, Roy Weatherby. I came into, like, that golden little pocket where there was, like, four or five different bowls. Just... You're Canadian? We're doing yeah, a I... Canadian podcast? My name's Douglas Bowe. I'm Robbie Denning. Roy Candy. That is that straight from watching those fucking Leafs play? Oh my god, that's oh, ugly, man. ugly bottle. It matches your ugly hat. You know what? You can see what you want. I'm still kicking your ass at the 3D shoot. <laughs> we don't need it. I I've been betting against the Leafs, even though they're my team forever as well. So I'm. It doesn't even hurt me anymore. I just kind of chuckle when I look at how they're getting their asses whooped. They are so bad. It is like it's painful. <laughs> Do you watch hockey, Taylor? Uh, well, I actually heard uh, the guys at the practice today talking about it, and I was curious if we were in playoffs or not. So I would say I don't watch much yeah, hockey anymore. Yeah, well, you're not missing much. <laughs> no, it's it's tough. It's tough to be a Canadian. Like I cheer for any Canadian team, any Canadian team in the playoffs. Yeah. Good thing Edmonton uh, turned it around because fuck the Leafs, man, they're tough to watch. God, you just want to pull your hair out trying to cheer for those guys. Yeah, almost time to find a new sport. Or a new team. A new team. Uh, I have a hard time being a bandwagoner. <laughs> <laughs> Just ride with them down in the flames. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should be used to that if you're cheering for the Leafs. Yeah, I am. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, anyway, we might as well talk some hunting now that we've trashed the Leafs and they're not going to get any better. So, but uh, Taylor, thanks for hopping on the show, buddy. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I know we had a quick conversation last spring, whether or not I had time to jump on the call. And at that point, I was trying to get a couple of screaming kids to bed, so it didn't work out. But I'm super happy to be on this year to uh, talk about hunting and you know some conservation. Yeah, for sure, man. It's good to have you on. And two kids, yeah. Pete, both Pete and I, we know all about that. I got three yeah. at home myself. And Pete's are older now. Well, yeah, older-ish. Mine, yeah, my last one's... Heading out the door here this fall, and yeah, freedom oh, last forty-four. Oh. Yeah, last pizza. spring was uh, two, but this spring it's or this year it's three. I've got at home now, so uh, oh wow, oh so you're busy at home. Uh, I'm in the same trouble you are, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
long as you get to get out in the outdoors, I guess it's good. How how old is uh, how old are your kids? Uh, they are four, two, and six months old. Oh wow! Really you young. are busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I I still remember we've I've got a young young uh, girl. It's our our best friend's daughter. She's six, and I love the four to eight. It's it has always been my favorite time. You know, they just they want to hang out with you. They're they're game for most things and grab your shit. Let's head out the door. And you know, yeah. it's just, it's a blast. Yeah. They're funny when they're that age. I mean, I don't miss, I mean, obviously as there's going to probably be a time in your life when you're like, you miss like them when they're really little, but looking back at it now, I definitely don't miss those days at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely see the difference of like, okay, you have an, uh, like a newborn I'm uh, done that three times now they're super easy they hang out i've got a four-year-old who wants to do everything some days some days wants to do nothing and you just it's a struggle to figure out what the balance is and then like the other day he looks at me he goes dad how many teeth do a bear have (laughs) we look at him i'm like well let's go grab the skull and let's go count them he answered a question for me i had no idea they have 40 teeth or at least the one i shot last spring does yeah huh. yeah yeah some have a little more than others the older ones seem to have a lot less i think i i got a bear skull sitting out at, out at the by the barbecue and it only has like oh i should have counted them but not a lot like i would say less than 20 teeth in its skull top really bottom. yeah just an old old yeah really old bear. yeah and we're not yeah. super big funny like but just either that or he was chewing on rocks i don't know and yeah, that's even counting the like the missing teeth. There's some spots in the jawline that there's just holes where I assume teeth came out of at one point. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely go through a lot of. Well, I guess they don't go through a lot of teeth. They once they're gone, they're gone. I don't think that slows them down too much because you see some bears, yeah, some big bears. They all their front teeth have been gnawed off. So I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. So maybe uh, give yourself a little introduction to the listeners, buddy. Let uh, let everybody know who they're talking to. Or listening to so um, uh, my name's Taylor Naren. Uh grew up fishing I got into hunting after high school one of my best friends always came back and had the coolest adventures elk hunting and I asked him how I got into it and he kind of showed me the ropes and uh, we've been hunting together now for the last 13 years and nice I try and spend as much time outdoors uh, with the family and then alone solo with the dog uh, we moved up. We moved out of the coast just after the big floods uh, two years ago to enjoy more outdoor time, and that's definitely something that the Okanagan has had to offer for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely does. I mean, uh, I grew up on uh, North Coast, and uh, I moved to the Okanagan. Yeah, well, a long time ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. Obviously, I grew up same things, you know, hunting, fishing out there. But uh, there's just something that when I moved to the Okanagan, yeah, just the the appeal and like the ability to chase deer and elk and bears and turkeys and all that stuff, and and just the it's just a lot more accessible than the coast. I mean, it's not especially here a lot less. Obviously, repeat is he's more in the Rocky Mountains, but here it's uh, you know the hills are a lot easier to navigate. They're a lot more open. The weather's a lot nicer. So it definitely has its advantages, that's for sure. 
Um, so, do, so you said you got into hunting 13 years ago with a friend. Now your friend, he lives down the coast still. Yeah, he. Uh, we both grew up on the coast, and he moved to Kamloops uh, for I think about six months, and then had too good of an offer to go back to the coast for work, so he moved back down there, and and he. I'm pretty sure he was hunting when he was in diapers, but yeah, yeah, lifelong him and his dad went all over the province and they were great people to teach me the ropes about hunting, getting into it. Yeah, no doubt. So you, you didn't, you don't have like your family history. The background is not a, not a hunting family. Uh, my dad bird hunted uh, when he was a teenager. And then I think, you know, kind of when I was born, it was a little bit too much to commit to bigger trips out of the Fraser Valley. So we stuck with fishing, going over to Port Alberni every summer for a week, catching as much sockeye as they would let us. And then when that kind of got reduced and slowed down and very cost was so expensive, it wasn't worth it. We uh, switched over to fishing the Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just, that's kind of, you know, the norm for, for living on the coast. I mean, like, we fished. I fit, I definitely fished a lot more than I hunted growing up on the car, living on the coast. Um, just cause it, I mean, it's just so easy and accessible. I mean, we had the Skeena river there. We had all the tributaries of the Skeena river. We had the ocean. So, I mean, we fished, you know, it just uh, the accessibility of it and how easy it was. And yeah, man, there's definitely a lot of days we spent with uh, hooks in the water. That's for sure. Yeah, Not to mention that it was the heyday of the salmon back then too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Not like it is now. No, no, it's definitely yeah. changed a lot. Um, unfortunately, it's changed uh, for the worse, but uh, hopefully things get better. But I mean, that's a conversation that you could get into and uh, I don't know enough about it to get into. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's There's so Man. much to get into on our salmon stocks and fishing one every four years and trying to keep that entertaining and fun for a family is not something that is really worthwhile for me. So I will probably just stick with hunting. The kids love, I mean, my, I think my four-year-old spots deer better than I do nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but, uh, so bear hunting, you have been bear hunting for how long? I started bear hunting in 2019, I believe. So Uh, like, what, why, why did you get into it? Like what drove you to bear hunting? Cause usually bear for, especially for guys who started hunting later in life, bears just not typically something that they pursue. Yeah. Um, so when I first started the mentors I had, I think they were taught that it was kind of inedible. And so we never looked at shooting bears. I had opportunities early on, but it wasn't, I wasn't into shooting something I wasn't going to eat. So I left it at that and, uh, I don't know if it was maybe eat wild or kind of like talk as sheep had some people talking about like hunting bears and how good the food is. So listening to the podcast kind of gave me that open mind to pursue bears and the first couple of years hunting, you know, close to the lower mainland, I found lots of tracks, found lots of sign, but those mountains are certainly hard to hunt if you're just new at it and looking for sign essentially if you can't be out there every week it's hard yeah for sure and especially um that's one thing about hunting bears i find 
it, where I am now, like just the nature, again, the nature of the, the hills and they're a lot more open. There's a lot more, seems like there's a lot more accessible clear cuts. Like there's a lot more clear cuts. I mean, there's a lot of clear cuts on the coast. Don't get me wrong, but those seem to be most accessible by like boat or helicopters, a lot of heli logging out there where here it's like they're road accessible, these areas. So, and, uh, j- Generally, I find, and I, I know most guys do that, you know, um, deactivated logging roads, even um, clear cuts like that. That's generally where you're going to find the most bears or the best chance of finding bears. Anyway, you're going to see the most bear activity. Now, not that you don't in the other areas. It's just that's the most that's the easiest place for us to look as humans to get around. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was uh, hunting the lower mainland, didn't really see any bears in the spring, but come it was October. We actually hiked into this really nice Alpine basin that has a really good trail network around it. And I don't think we were actually intending on hunting bears that day. It was more of we're packing around a year and a half old. So we'll bring a rifle. And we got up there and the weather changed on us and it started sleeting. And here I spotted three bears in the basin and just kind of looked at the wife and our youngest and he was getting cold. And I'm like, we can't be, pursuing this bear shooting it and potentially being up there for another couple hours it was like our year and a half old will probably have blue lips by then and be in pretty rough shape so that was uh we went back in dan who was my hunting partner who mentored me into it we went in two days later and we got up there and it was just totally socked in could barely see 100 yards so we sat there for the morning and then made our way out because it wasn't clearing yeah yeah so that was your, so you started in 2019 and you had a couple of years where, um, you did, you, you, you weren't able to connect. I think last year we talked, um, last year was your first successful year, right? With bear and you got two spring bears or one. Yeah, I got, so the last spring, 2022, I got two spring bears. Uh, I had actually spotted bears before the season opened. So in April, no, sorry, in March, I was able to glass up a sow and three cubs up on the very top of a mountain, which didn't make sense to me because I figured they would have been in the valley bottom first. Uh So then I kind of had an idea while there's bears out on this mountain already, I might as well maybe as soon as season opens and look at that as an area to go pursue. It wasn't after the sow and cubs, but if there's one out, there's got to be more up there. And then, uh, yeah, it was Easter weekend. I had the day to go up, and so I took the, took our puppy out. It was a year old, and uh, hiked into this area. And I kind of there were some dried up lakes on the map, or there were lakes on the map that I wanted to get to, assuming they'd have water in it. And it's kind of pretty key factor down here in this yeah. area. It's, I mean, there's cactus growing, so there doesn't need to be much water for the plant life. So I got up to this basin that it that I was climbing into and I kind of looked in this little dried up lake, which amazed me because the ground was still frozen. And here I see this, what to me looked like an enormous cinnamon bear. And I <laughs> dropped the backpack, pulled the tripod out. So I had to shoot through like a tiny little window. So I was got set up for that knowing it'd probably be a, you know, 150, 200 yard shot. And I was pretty nervous at the point. So wanted all the stability I could have. And I watched it for 10, 15 minutes, just sitting there on his butt, eat a little bit, walk a couple feet, lay down, stand up, just 
not a care in the world, didn't look around like it had anything in the trees. So I kind of eliminated the fact that that's definitely not the other bear I saw on the mountain because the cubs that were with it were probably the previous years. So they're pretty big. They were definitely coming up on two years and they were all over the place when I saw it on the mountain. So then I uh, found a good spot where I could actually shoot through the trees and I made what to me looked like a good shot. It spun around and then took off out of the, out of the lake. And when I got down there, there was no blood, no tracks because the ground was completely solid. And I, I started trailing or I started doing like a grid pattern because the trail that I thought it ran out on, there was nothing there. So I, the dog and I just kind of wandered back and forth trying to find some sort of track from this, from this bear. And I had almost given up, but I'm like, you know what? I've heard they always fight. Like they'll take the main trail out and typically go downhill. So I found the main trail and I just started walking it and it was laying underneath these two trees, uh, just curled up and it, it wasn't dead yet, but it was just barely, yeah, barely just- breathing. Like I looked, I was like, Oh, it's still alive. So I put another, another one in it and that was the end of it. I got to hear the very typical death moan that bears have. And that is definitely an eerie sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the last few bears I've killed, they haven't done the death moan. I was talking about that the other day because somebody suggested said that they all do. And I was like, no, they don't all do it, but uh, it's definitely, it's nice when they do. Cause then, you know, that's it's game over. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and that also gives you an indication of where they ran to, which is nice. Um, cause like you said, bears, sometimes they're not easy to track. They don't, they got real thick fur and they're tough. They're fatty animals. So they don't, they typically don't bleed a lot. Um, so were you start, what, what was going through your head when you're looking for this thing? You started getting discouraged, start questioning yourself. Oh, was that a good shot? Was it a good shot? Most definitely. Yeah. Like I, I haven't lost anything yet. And I was kind of thinking like, it's, I guess at some point you will lose animals. And mm-hmm. when you're not like, I assumed I would get tracks on the ground when it took off, but it didn't even tear up the grass at all or the dirt. I was like, wow, this is not, I had all the time to set up a good shot and I thought it would go better than that. And when I got down to the bear, first thing I looked for was like, well, where did I hit it? And I hit it in the ribs. It was like a lung, a little bit further back lung shot, but around that part of the bear on the side, it was almost seven inches of fur hanging off of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why. Yeah, it just yeah. soaks up everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the, yeah, it like it was when I, like when I grabbed the bear on the side, it was, yeah, completely blood soaked, but just not dripping anywhere. Yeah. Didn't, any bushes that it walked by or trees yeah and it's funny too like bears yeah for being such a big animal you think they'd make a lot more like even when they walk through the bush they don't they're pretty quiet you know when they want to be um they're pretty stealth like it's pretty amazing but uh yeah it's uh it's one of those things yeah definitely like you said though i mean you hunt long enough and unfortunately it's one of those things that everybody loses one but luckily you found that thing um so Backing up before that, you now you hunted what 2000, so it was 2019, 2020, 2021. Those were unsuccessful years, yes, they were. 
So were you going out every, like were those spring years that you were going out and um, doing some bear hunting? Yeah, we were probably, I would say three weekends a month, we'd be out and we uh, tried to go to the same place a bunch because we'd find sign. But once we found it for a couple of times, both years in kind of the same window of time in the month. But as soon as we got past that, there was never any more sign. They must've moved higher up and out of any access that was available for us with the kids. Right. And then we also tried some places, uh, coastal and we found sign, but just when you can see four feet off the trail, if they're not on the trail, you're not catching up to them very easily. Yeah. Was it a work in progression? Like did slowly, you know, over those three years, was it something that you kind of just, you, you felt like you improved on little by little every year? Like, were you listening, were you picking up bits of information, whether it was podcast or YouTube or reading or anything like that? Was it something that you were working on to try to, you know, get to that next step of actually being able to harvest a bear? Yeah, it certainly was. I was, uh, lots of podcasts some some reading I would do, um, I feel like there was some good papers out of the States that I had read, but I don't think it was actually helping me at all. I was never getting any closer in the areas I was hunting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't see a single spring bear for the first couple of years hunting yeah. that more coastal and the mountains outside of the Fraser Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Um, so what do you think it was? What do you think it had? What do you think attributed to the success success you had in 2022? Do you think it was just like your the the scouting you did earlier in the year, and already having a, a like already having the knowledge of where there's actually bears in certain areas? Because like you said, I mean, if there's if there's bears in an area now, whether it's a sour or a boar, generally there's something in there that they like. You know, whether it's if it's early in the season, it's going to be south facing slopes with lots of vegetation that they can easily get at. So there's not just most likely, especially here in BC, there's not just going to be one bear. Most likely there's going to be multiple bears. Is that something you think that, you know, you can attribute to your success to is that early preseason scouting? Uh, for sure. Yeah. I think the early scouting helped being able to, you know, like watch the green up progress through the Valley and, I was shocked to find bears out before it had greened up. So like that was definitely not planned. But then when I did see them up there, I was like, well, it won't hurt to go check it out. But then throughout the season, like we'd drive from the lake we were living at down to Penticton. And then most days I'd see two to three bears just from the highway. Right. Right. You're yeah. finding them in these little valleys right on fresh green flowers and always in certain pockets. It, uh-huh. it seemed that, you know, it's an area where you're not looking at dense cover from above. So you're actually seeing the, what would be the forced floor in other places where it's sagebrush and flower flats. So you're actually getting a chance to see the bears walking in the habitat they're trying to eat, not just in the transition corridors between. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So you got, you had your first year, you had a nice cinnamon bear and then you had, a monster a toad of a bear how long after was it when you got that big sucker and and pete and i we we posted do you remember the post we did pete i do of taylor's yeah. bear yeah big. that nice big yeah really big that big brown or big dark and he had the real nice light colored nose really good looking bear 
yeah, like a very typical, more what you'd see on the coast, actually, like a dark jet black body with your nice tan muzzle and yeah, lots of scarring. It was pretty cool bear. Um, so that one, I after getting my first bear, I had a couple buddies who were interested in coming out and they'd asked and we planned like a weekend. I want to say it was, I don't think it was May long, but I think we made a three-day weekend early in May. Yeah. And we came down and I, I had an idea where we could go. I'd been out kind of still scouting to try and see if I get myself a second bear and going out, looking, glassing these different drainages. And, you know, I'd see a bear here, another one in an, another drainage. Then when my friend Jareed came down, we were out on the Friday night and we went into the one base and we come up and we're parked on this corner and oh, there's a sow and two cubs all black we're sitting there and we're glassing and i looking at this hillside that's a, pretty much a, a vertical cliff with some little plateaus on it and i spot a nice big cinnamon bear up there it was what, 800 yards what 800 time of the year yeah what time of the year is this that you're that you're out there uh, probably the second week of may oh, okay so still fairly early yeah 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 and uh so we were glassing that one and then all of a sudden over the corner of our eye we see the sow and cubs moving and then there was four more bears in the picture there. So we had seven bears running through this tiny little opening. And I'm assuming it was a couple boars looking to take out the cubs to maybe try and rebreed yeah. the sow. But so in that little valley, we ended up turning up nine, nine bears in a couple that's, hours in an evening. That's wow. a good, that's a good afternoon. Uh, set. That was a very good afternoon because he, he came up that Friday morning and then I was just like oh we'll go check this out I know I've seen bears up there it's a spot where it's big mountains you're if you can shoot long range you're definitely into a lot of accessible terrain or if they're just feeding you can probably stalk in like side hailing into them but we kind of headed out that night with just like we were happy we saw bears and that was irregular for both of us and when we've been hunting in the past and yeah Jareed, my partner, hadn't shot any bears yet either. So we kind of came up with a plan. I thought we'd go into another basin the next day and check that out. And I mean, I don't know what you guys do for bear hunting, but I so far have not planned to get up super early in the morning unless I'm going for a good hike in. Yeah, I, I, morning we... I don't go for early mornings unless I'm out on like a backpack hunt for bears. Just because what the fuck else are you going to do? right you're there um honestly if i'm out if i'm out camping and i'm gonna hunt i'll go fishing in the morning and i'll right. go out for bears when yeah. i'm done with my morning but if fish. i'm yeah if i'm going on a, like a backpack hunt for bears i'll hunt all day light to light till dark but other than that yeah if i'm going and i don't really do a lot of those just because i find you actually have more success if you're just like i can go to work and then like especially here in bc like you know you're only a couple hours away from me but man, it's just like, you get so much daylight, um, you know, um, yeah. in the evening that, you know, you can leave work at three 30 and you can hunt till 10, 10 30 at night. Um, so it's definitely nice to do that. Uh, but anyway, back to, uh, back to your story there. Yeah. And then the next day we chose, honestly, it's the next drainage up and we went up there and kind of on the way up the road, I was like, Oh, we had to cross through a cattle gate and close it on. And just as we got to the gate, I was like, what is that in that field? And it was just this big black bear. 
and it's a spot where they they range cattle so we weren't sure at first like is that just another cow up there because we'd already passed a bunch of them and kind of made this plan parked at a landing and we we're gonna hike hike up over this knob and as we were hiking this knob we're assuming it was a uh, piece of equipment went past and it was really loud so we popped up over this knob expecting a bear to be within a couple hundred yards and there was no bear to be seen and it, it slowly started raining on us. So, I mean, where we are, I don't even think I brought a reindeer because it doesn't rain down here. And uh, we hiked up to this Ponderosa and we sat underneath it for a few hours. And all of a sudden we spotted a, it looked like two siblings. They were probably three, four years old, but identical size, playful. And yeah, one was cinnamon, like a dark chocolate type color. And then the other one was a black bear. And we were watching them for a while neither of them looked overly big so we decided we'd just kind of wait and go check out another area and uh, we checked went up up the range and found out that we hit the the green up line was like way below where we were headed into the next spot so we turned around we came down we just thought we'd hike the other side of that basin we we hiked in we found a nice spot to sit for a while and just waited kind of late afternoon at this point and all of a sudden we look behind us and down the hill are like 35 mule deer just feeding behind us at 150 yards. We're like, wow, where did they come from? Like that many deer just snuck up behind us. And Jareed looking at these two bears that are now slowly feeding out of the drainage down. And one of the, one of them looks pretty good, kind of a cinnamon. And that one disappeared and didn't come back. And then all of a sudden we're kind of watching this one quickly walk through. I don't think it was burnt, but maybe a lot of wind wouldn't blow down in it. And we spot a bear that's just kind of working its way along and it looked nice. And for his first bear, he was not too picky. He wanted something that was going to, you know, hold quite a bit of meat and be a good, good representation for that. And so he kind of lined up cross Canyon and he made a good shot, got that, that bear down and pretty stoked. And I kind of turned around and looked just like, we know there's more bears here. There's one of these bears coming in now that it's heard a gunshot. And I looked off to my right. I'm like, uh, I'm going to go over here. That thing is a big bear up there. And it was at 500 yards looking at it. It's just feeding, not a care in the world. Didn't care that we shot, didn't move. I don't know when it appeared out from behind this little bush. Now, this is the but bear that you've seen earlier. We think. Yeah. Okay. So probably, we, probably was. Cause if you're just, if you're mis like, if you're, if you have to question yourself, is that a cow or a bear? That's a big bear. <laughs> it's usually a big bear. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah, time. So Nobody's ever talked about that before when it comes to determining a mature bear. Or not. No. Is that bear the size of a cow? Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I started making a stock in on it. And I mean, I'm in sagebrush. Like there's nothing to hide behind. You're essentially just walking at this thing and hoping it is comfortable with you. Yeah. And so I'm walking and it, then it ducks in behind this little bush and it's probably the side of the size of like two garbage cans. And it's just behind it. And I'm work, trying to work my way slowly to the right to where I can see it. And I'm about 75 yards from this bush. 
and I'm still not seeing this bear. I don't know if it laid down, but at one point I kind of climbed up onto this little rock to try and get above it and I busted it and it just took off running. And one of my first mule deer I got, Dan showed me a trick. He's like, you don't, if you bust these animals, like you just make the weirdest sound you can and they'll stop and they'll look at you. And it worked for two mule deer in the past. And I was like, I don't know if it works with bears, but here I am and I'll make this sound. And <laughs> it, it stopped and fired around like heavy quartering to me and just stared at me. And I was like, Oh, that's like 150 yards. That's the shot I'm going to get. Otherwise it's down into this steep Canyon with super heavy cover and one shot and it just dropped and rolled and it rolled over this edge. And I was like, I don't know where that went, <laughs> but I know this Canyon is steep to get into. And I started walking towards it pretty nervous. Cause it's like, I've never seen an animal drop like that before uh-huh. and I got up to this little willow bush kind of overhanging not a 10 foot complete cliff but there was like it almost looked like a bear den because it was pretty hollowed out in the hillside and yeah it, it locked up in that well, willow bush and it didn't look like much because they just seemed to crumple up so small mm-hmm. so I went and got Jareed got our packs and we hiked up there and we tried to roll it out of this thing and there was not a chance. We both grabbed a leg and it, we determined it was going down that hill before anywhere else because we couldn't move it. And there was no way we were working in that willow bush without it probably breaking through the bush while you were working on it. So we got it down to a little road at the bottom, uh, processed that one, knowing now that it's probably safe five to six o'clock and we have another bear that we need to go find in this blowdown. So we quickly gutted it, left it on the little trail that was there. And then went and got my buddy's bear and quartered that one out and then had to pack it out. We started when it was pretty dark and it was pitch black. Uh, I was so well prepared that I brought apparently my backup headlamp with dead batteries so I had like a candle in front of me in the dark (laughs) we processed his bear and I got back we were trying to make trying to find our way to the road and knowing the point in the road where we wanted to hit that some of it had a pretty steep embankment and I got out and I'm holding my little headlamp out I'm like well this kind of looks like a cliff in front of me here go back into the bushes go 10 feet down yeah buddy all I'm finding is cliffs in front of us we gotta we gotta find somewhere else and we found a spot where we could kind of butt slide down the, the steep embankment and that was we were pretty happy at that point that all we had to do was then hop in the little side by side and go drive up to mine and once we did that we realized how big it was because we could barely lift that into the back of this side by side we kind of got the front half propped up there and tied it on and then the two of us just all we could do to lift the butt end of that bear in yeah awesome yeah, uh, I, I, I want to go back just a tiny bit. You want to demo that sound that you stopped that bear with? <laughs> I'll take any tips or tricks I can get. <laughs> it, was it a was it like a predator noise you're making or just some like, like what was that show when he's like, hey, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? What was that? Oh, that was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Pete, what, what does the Sasquatch sound like? I couldn't tell you. Well, that's kind of what I think the sound I made. What, I don't know if it's a, <laughs> a bit of a goat or a sheep. 
some just, cow mixture in there, you know, just like whatever you can come up with that you can make loudly. That's not just like, Hey bear. Like, yeah. That usually scares them away when you start yelling that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, that's pretty cool, man. That was a, that was a nice bear. What'd you do with the hide? So the cinnamon bear I got, I kind of just rough cut it and had that tanned. And I was not looking to have a second hide. So knowing that once we had the bear, my buddy's uh, father-in-law from Germany and grew up having taxidermy and Euro mounts in the place. And he doesn't hunt, but he was like, oh, if I'd really be interested in having the hide tanned and uh, done as like a rug. Mm-hmm. So my buddy took it and he got it done as a rug down in Abbotsford. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nice bear. Um, you kept the skull, I assume. Yeah. I kept actually, my buddy did it up for me because when I had moved up here, we were renting his place and I didn't have a pressure washer or a little gas barbecue to do it on. So he, he rode it for me. Oh, nice. 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 Yeah. That's cool, man. That's, uh, did you have any fear like first year bear hunting? What was, do you have any fear bears at all? I don't think so. I remember like when I was young over in Port Alberni, we'd be in the motorhome and you'd look outside and there'd be a bear on your picnic table, ripping apart your cooler. You're like, okay. So like bears are, they're animals that when they want something, they will get it. And I would say I've had some close encounters with grizzly bears. Uh, They are different. Yeah. Uh, Black bears just seem they're, you know, they pretty much do their own thing and, their first instinct always seems to be run away, which I think is a little more reassuring when you're trying to get in closer to bears. Uh huh. Yeah. Typically, I mean, I have had a few times when I was pretty shocked and surprised. You get some some bears, some aggressive bears, uh, black bears especially. Um, yeah, they'll take runs at you and, and do some. I mean, they're wild animals, and um, you know they're unpredictable. I mean, even even elk and deer can be unpredictable, but yeah. Um, so, so you guys, so you got your bear first or he shot his bear. Then you went and shot your bear. You got both bears out. That's a good afternoon. Yeah. I think we got home at two 30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. No After doubt. we got them both loaded up and back to the cabin and got them out of the little tra- cargo trailer and just kind of, yeah out to cool overnight and luckily for us i mean i think at the lake i was living we were only a couple degrees yeah that's overnight so you that's just nice. hang it outside and yeah and it was still early then too early may yeah. so you're not into that late may early june heat which can be which can be killer especially yeah. in the area we live in uh so your what was your wife were you were you in contact with her or did you just show up home at two o'clock in the morning all bloody covered in bare hair uh for that one we had reception so i was able to tell her that we got a couple bears and she's like okay well dinner's on dinner will be in the fridge for you eat when you come home like uh yeah she didn't expect to see us anytime soon yeah that's good because it can it can easily something like that when you don't have contact especially if you got two young kids at home that could put a damper on next year's bear hunting if uh if she doesn't know what's going on and she's sitting around waiting for you yeah for sure um, that's why electronics are good and bad, but, uh, for that reason, they're definitely handy. Yeah. It's nice to keep everybody peace at mind. 
then you can mm-hmm. you can do your thing and everybody's everybody's happy yeah and you're talking about your headlamp like, like don't feel bad i did that last year and for a guy who spends as much time in the bush as i do you think i would fucking know better and then last year i was using my gps light as my flashlight and it killed my gps but luckily i knew i told this story too on the podcast and luckily i knew my way back like the back of my hand but um yeah so i mean that just happens oh yeah i I don't know how many times i've had brand new batteries in my headlamp you go out hunting have a late night come back yeah you get back to camp you, you know you chuck it in your bag or whatever and you need it the next day and it's gotten bumped and turned on oh, midday, and it's like, wasn't your fault? Shit happens. Well, I mean, no, it is. Just, it, it is. It's. It is. It's your fault. It's, it's everyone's fault. fault. I mean, but it is what it is, right? It's. It's. It's not like you. You walked. You know, it just happens. It's life. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I don't know, like navigating for me. I think is pretty easy. I always just kind of. Well, you walked in on the left side of the mountain, so you're going to turn around and the mountain will be on your right. So even coming out, like I just gave up on the headlamp and I was just kind of going by moonlight and yeah. my buddy's yeah. headlamp at the occasional time when he'd turn around and look at me and I didn't find it that bad. I think it's the, the worst part was just the fatigue at that point. You're just be after hiking around most of the day and then yeah. butchering on a super steep slope and now you're hiking out with probably 80 pound packs between the two of us yeah that definitely takes it takes a it takes it out of you for sure definitely definitely so let's talk a little bit about uh what you did with the meat and stuff um because i'd love to hear about a little bit of your processing do you process all the meat yourself yeah the the two bears i did myself um i kind of broke them down as into big pieces to start because freezer space and fridge space to do it all kind of at home in the Uh kitchen was limited. So first it would just be breaking into quarters, get that all in cooled into the fridge. And then I kind of kept everything as big as I could knowing that I would just grind, you know, 10 or 15 pounds at a time. So I kept shanks and all the hind quarters um even yeah your, your the front legs you know keep your your upper and lower leg so you could do slow slow cooker roasts and then the front legs actually seem to braise down pretty good uh, i'm not a big fan of ribs so a lot of that just became meat for the grinds which in our house we use that we don't buy beef anymore we pretty well for last year now it's just been all bare and nice. we use that for all sorts of different Asian dishes and curries and nice. sauces. Uh-huh. Um, and with the two bears, uh, surprisingly, both spring bears, even the one that I got in May, that one had 11 pounds of fat on it. And the, no, the April bear had 11 pounds and the May bear had 30 pounds of fat. So I was able to try rendering oh, wow. twice. Yeah, uh, I, I seen you making some posts about that, um, and I, I think you and I we were we were chatting back and forth about that a little bit too. Um, so yeah, we just love to hear about that and kind of that was obviously with your first bear. Obviously, that's your first experience rendering any bear fat. So yeah. Um, so what 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 was it that I mean? Like I've shot lots of bears and I just I've never done it. Um, 
So, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I'd like to do it. And I just never do it. I don't know why. I guess it's a time thing. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't get into it. So what was it about renting your own fat that, that you thought you wanted to get into? Um, I don't know if it's just kind of like the using more of the animals that I've tried to do. Um, I've always wanted to bring out like livers to make dog treats because liver is something that is not my favorite. I've eaten a lot of animal hearts. Um, the, the bears, I wasn't sure if organs are something you can eat, but the fat I know between like the bear grease podcast and bear hunting magazine, there's like a lot of information about different things you can do with bear fat. So I figured I'd give it a, a try. And the first one with a pregnant wife at home, I was like, I don't know if this is going to smell bad. So I put the slow cooker outside and just went for it. And oh, good call, good call. That's a smart man, right? I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, well, well, too fucking bad for her, and I did it anyway. That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> no, no, I I know that wouldn't end well if the house just stunk. <laughs> yeah. So the first one, uh, you know, I read that you kind of need to have like super clean fat. And a lot of the fat that was on that bear, there were some good pieces that were like maybe an inch thick and kind of just like a, like a small plate. But a lot of it was, yeah, pretty small little strips here and there that I just kind of took off as I was processing it. And I just washed them, washed a little bit of fat that was, or a little bit of blood that was on the fat and figured that was the one thing. If you have any meat on it or blood, if it's dirty, that can kind of change the flavor is what I yeah. read. And, I just did my best to make it pretty damn clean. And that was, you know, it didn't take long. It was pretty easy. And for the first one, I just chopped it all into kind of one inch or smaller blocks. Um, Cause that was the simplest way to do it. Yeah. This is, and it's already been cooled and it's easy to, it, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. it's definitely easier to handle. Not that I've done it a whole lot, but I just know fat in general on bears is definitely easier to handle when it's cooled down. Yeah. They're small pieces coming out of the fridge or if you can freeze it, it, it almost breaks apart. You kind of yeah. get your knife oh, halfway okay. through and it just comes into little cubes. So when you were processing your bear, did you cut all the fat off and kind of like just put it in a, what did you, what did you put it in a bag or put it in a container and you threw that in the fridge? I just pushed half the stuff from the fridge to one side and I put it on like a cookie sheet. Oh, nice. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> That's um, like your old lady, your, your pregnant old lady opening up the door looking for some milk and seeing a big pile of bear fat sitting right there in the wow. fridge. <laughs> Look what I cooked It wasn't up, only honey. that, it was the, the quarters and the, yeah, I probably had half the fridge full while I was processing it. <laughs> you can only do that so late at night before you're just a risk to lopping off fingers or yeah. so yeah it was a the first one was probably a two-day process for me to and your wife's you know, cool she's not it. she's not swearing at you at all get this fucking bear out of my fridge or anything like that yet not no, yet anyway. no i'm pretty lucky uh when she was younger she worked at a like a specialty meat shop prepping Perfect. sausages oh. and different sort of uh small but not a butcher shop but they do They'll bring in like a quarter and prep that for steaks and whatnot. So, gotcha. so it takes a she, bit of shocker. Yeah. She's probably more competent at doing this than I was. She looked at me like, what are you doing over there? Oh, figuring it out. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, so 
with the rendering, you just guy in the cubes, you're just slow cooking it and eventually it kind of cooks down and there's more oil left and your cubes just turn into like the little pork rinds you can buy at Costco. So when you're slow cooking it, now this is how much fucking experience I have with cooking. Do slow cookers have dials to turn them like the temperature on on them? I don't even fucking know. This is I'm serious. This is how much experience I have with cooking. It's because you're not allowed to touch that stuff. <laughs> I know. This is what I, like if I touch my the slow cooker in my house, I wouldn't have a fucking hand. Yeah, but your wife's a chef, is she not? Yeah. Okay. So, so but, but do they? So my, yeah. So when you're cooking it, you're cooking it at a slow, really low. Um, I had it on high. Oh, you cooked it on high. Okay. Yeah. And that worked pretty good. Uh, I, I think it was like three, four hours by the time I had cooked it down to where like the little like pork rinds or cracklings or what some people call them, they weren't getting any smaller. Yeah. So then I just used a ladle and a, a strainer and I would strain them into jars. And yeah, I think it would kind of worked out like for every pound of fat, I'd get uh, a liter of no i get a half half pint jar oh yeah look up the first bear i think i got six little jars of fat oh yeah nice that's not bad at all no it and it like it's super easy um how was the smell was the smell okay is like something you um, like did you eventually start just doing it in your your kitchen table yeah i i did after a while i was like it doesn't smell like anything as soon as like it was rendered down. I just kind of dipped my finger in it once it cooled a bit, a little bit. I was like, what does this stuff even taste like? And it's so mild. It's like barely even, it's like an oil and the only thing I can kind of think it's like a little bit of like a, whether it be like a hazelnut flavor to it or a little bit like a cashew. That was like the only thing I can pick up. Oh, I wonder if that has anything to do like their fat, the way their fat tastes. I wonder if it has anything to do with what they're eating just before. Well, be interesting to get some different bears from different, you know, one off a blueberry patch versus yeah. one, one that's been s- mowing down on salmon and stuff and do the exact same process and, and do a taste test between them. Yeah, do like a Pepsi challenge between a blueberry or like maybe one was eating, you know, eating nuts and stuff. It's like down here, we have lots of lots of those trees around. They can easily get Yeah, and I know um, they say the, the bears that are eating a lot of berries that are battle actually kind of like a purpley blue color really? okay yeah yeah like, i don't know if too. you guys have done any duck hunting but i know the the soybean ducks will have a white fat on them whereas the corn the ducks that eat corn will have like a yellow fat oh, okay so in, in ducks it'll change color based on what they're eating and oh, i'm assuming it's the same thing for bears yeah that'd be uh that'd be interesting to find out yeah i, I think i've lined up some orchard hunting this summer so i'm gonna see if i don't have spring bears tags filled i'll probably try and do some of the private land august hunting and those bears are living off apples and grapes well i bet those things would be exceptional like i the the guy i work with who's been talking about he's like i don't leave the valley to hunt because the bears that are down here there's so many of them and yeah it is they're doing they're so good eating. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. I have permission too to hunt in August for bears, and I just never do it. 
I mean, so, I, I don't know that I'm looking forward to how hot it is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's so fucking hot. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, seems, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it's funny because, like, when bear season ends, if I haven't punched both my tags, I'm always really anxious to go punch the second one. But then, you know, it starts getting a little closer to September 1st. And then you start thinking of, like, velvet mule deer. And so your brain kind of gets, it kind of starts going in another direction, right? Where, you know, like, it's, and then, you know, it goes from mule deer to elk and then like whatever t- LEH tags you have and then like right into whitetails. And then when that's over, then it's like, okay, well, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for April to start so we can start getting into bears. Um, and obviously right now it's bear season, but um, yeah, I'd, those, it'd definitely be interesting to see because, you know, they're sitting there chewing on apples all day and they probably do taste pretty damn good. Yeah, that's what I've been told that they are just exceptional eating. Um, they're probably yeah, they're probably yeah, they're just like no stress either, just sitting in there in the shade and coming out right before dark and feeding on all the apples that fall down. Yeah, I wonder if they're a problem slowly... for a lot of. I wonder if they're a problem for a lot of uh, orchardists. Like, yeah, you'd think that know. they'd be concerned about the the bears breaking branches and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, climbing up the up trees. And... I wonder how many they have to chase off their off their trees yeah i know taylor said they get into anything like those bears they get into anything and everything so yeah i know living on the coast at the blueberry farms down in the fraser valley they the one farmer told us like he has a bear that'll come through and if they don't chase it out it'll eat ten thousand dollars worth of blueberries in a season holy shit wow now do they do those same farmers do they let people hunt there or do they just try to just push them out themselves i think some of them are just pushing them out um some of the areas because of how many buildings are around you can't okay. really hunt yeah that's fair and enough yeah yeah it, it yeah, gets I... difficult down there with kind of setbacks and no shooting zones and then some of the regions are just no hunting like porco quitlam lots of blueberry fields down there and it's just no hunting yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's where I'd that's where I'd be if I was a bear down there, eating all those blueberries, just pissing everyone off, shitting everywhere, eating their blueberries, <laughs> no hunting. I could just see you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so how do you store now that you have it in these in the little jars? How do you store it? So I did it the, I guess the simple way. I just put it in jars, let it cool in the fridge and in the fridge it'll solidify um on the counter it'll be more of like a syrup texture but then once it was solidified i would just i put it in the freezer um Uh you can if you have a pressure cooker you can can it and then it's just shelf stable Uh, okay so next round i will i have a pressure cooker now so i will do it that way because then it doesn't take up so much freezer space yeah, nice. Yeah, I bought my wife one of those for Christmas. She got a nice pressure cooker for cooking, pressure cooking all the meat. I want to do jarred oh, bear meat good. this year. That sounds Beef. like an East Coast thing, but I've heard a lot of people in Northern BC like uh, they can everything. Yeah, I've heard good, like obviously had can like or you know pressure like jarred salmon and all that stuff. And like my wife does a lot of vegetable stuff because she's got a massive 
garden and she does that like we she does a lot of her own stuff um but this year i like to try bear meat jarred bear meat it's supposed to be really delicious i know guys have done it and they just say it's awesome and i feel like you'd almost make like a like a corned beef type thing yeah bear yeah and it's supposed to be really good just take it camping and um yeah be really good when you're when you're storing your bear fat in the freezer like before you you're gonna pressure cook now but um how long will it last like if you just got it in jars so i'm just gonna freeze probably after so far it's been a almost a well some of it's been there for a year and there's no issues um between the two bears i feel like i did 24 500 mil jars and then 12 of the 250 mils okay and with the our daughter's got super bad dairy intolerance so we've just slowly kept cutting out different dairy products even like no butters no no milks or anything like that and lately we've just been using we've replaced butter with bear oil and use a little silicone brush and we paint it on toast and stuff and the kids just devour it really oh no kidding yeah that was gonna that was gonna be my next question was what you use it for what so we use it yeah as butter nowadays we use it for that um we've used it for baking like Mm -hmm. breads uh muffins and pancakes does it have any unique does it have any unique flavor being a bear grease rather than you know a traditional lard or what it cooking or whatever else you use in baking i don't know what you use to cook. yeah i i don't think it has like if we've served it to friends i always tell them like what it is and like they we've given away jars and people are just like amazed that that's what it is oh, yeah. And, hmm. yeah it's it's the at least from the bears i had the two different bears from two different mountain ranges just kind of high alpine meadows they are very mild flavored. Uh, if there is any sort of other flavor, no one's ever told me that they could tell you what it is other than like, maybe it's a, a nut type hue right. in there. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. You're awful nice yeah. for giving away all that after all that work. I'd be like, you like that? Hey, you want some? Great. <laughs> Let's go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you can work for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what's people's initial? Jars. What's people's initial initial reaction when you tell them it's bear? Like it's from a bear? Are they shocked at all? Or, um, I think you know you get the some people are like, oh, like you eat bear, and that's a pretty easy conversation for me to have because I didn't grow up doing it. So you try it out, like now. This year, I think I'd I'd chase bears more than I would chase deer because the two bears that I got from this area are better eating really? than any deer I've ever had. So that's pretty hard for me to say that you should be hunting deer over bears because a lot of people look like that's what we should be hunting. Uh-huh. And yeah, for quality of food, I mean, the two bears I got, the one I got, almost a hundred pounds of meat off of and the 10 pounds of fat. And then the second one, I got 190 pounds of meat and 33 pounds of fat. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's yeah. hard to argue those Phenomenal. numbers too. Well, yeah, and the, like we, uh, I went on a trip in September to the Kootenays, and the six-point bull we got on the hook was only a hundred or two hundred and fifty-four pounds. So yeah. it, like that's crazy when we look at the size of that animal. I'm like, wow, the bear I got really provided almost the same amount of meat. Right. Off By the two time bears. you take out half those bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. even just off the second bear, because you oh, know we right? had all the quarters still attached for the elk. No spine or rib cage, but yeah, that that second black bear that I got was yeah, that thing was very healthy. Was a tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean. Yeah, right on, oh. man. But it's like, what's what's the date today? May seventh. Seventh. Have you been out yet? Yeah, I was out. Oh, it was late April. I it was before my last set at the mine, and we went kind of down south of us here. Went into a spot that uh, there's apparently elk in this management unit, and if they're in that unit, I think I know where they are because there's nowhere else to me that looks like elk country. Uh-huh. And yeah, on our way out from there, we got or we went in and it was just way too snow packed. Couldn't get to the areas I wanted to go check out. Yeah. And as we got like... back to the highway, I spotted a, another bear across, across the highway from us. I'm looking at the, my wife and the three kids in the back seat. And I was like, Oh, that's a, looks like a good bear. Check the maps. And I'm like, Oh, well, I can actually hunt there. It's, Crown land, it's not private property. I was like, well, I'm going to go uh, see if I can get this bear. So my wife dropped me off on the side of the highway and she drove kind of back up to where we spotted it to watch. And I made a play in and I had to, uh, the wind was blowing from me directly to it. So I kind of just right off, right up through the fence, kind of hung a hard right and tried to make like a big loop. And I got up to a spot where I thought it should be feeding in this little draw. So I, I crossed another uh, cattle fence and this crown land. As I'm stepping up through this crown, this fence, I look up and I'm like, that's a bear sleeping in front of me underneath this tree. <laughs> and it's like 50 yards away and I'm kind of half through this fence. I was like, okay. And I'm trying to like slowly stand up and then this head pokes around and the ears kind of stand up and I'm like oh, after the two bears last year these ears sure look like they're on top of its head uh-huh. and 50 yards or some the little dead branches at the base of the trees kind of between us and I'm like I don't have a shot and as it stood up and walked away I'm like I think it's a young bear it wasn't small but I don't think it was like a a great bear to take this early uh-huh. And yeah, I kind of slowly walked way up the hill and I pursued it to try and get like a better look at it once I got over the top, but uh, I hadn't put my actual boots on. I was driving the truck in Nikes, so I made this big stock in Nikes and I looked at this hill and I started climbing up after it and I was like, I am dying trying to (laughs) climb up this sagebrush and cactus stuff. And Yeah, so it, it got away from me, which you know what? I was okay with that. I looked at this bear. I was like, you know what? It's not huge, but that's a bear in an area that I know will be there because they don't seem to go too far. And the mountain doesn't really go any higher unless it goes across the highway into the region I want to hunt later in the year. 
And yeah, I made back to the truck and the kids asked me like, dad, did you get it? I'm like, no, not today. And, uh, I said, it wasn't, wasn't the bear I wanted to take. And they're like, well, well, next time we'll come out again and we'll get it next time. And man, I just put a smile on my face that they're so happy just to like, they could watch me go after it. And they were happy that they got to see a bear again and, you know, be a part of it. Yeah. When your kids are that young, it's great. They get to an age and they get cocky. And then all of a sudden they're like, did you get it? And you're like, no, you're like, ah, or they're like, ah, I would have got it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what Wyatt does. That's what what Wyatt does to me now. Ah, I would have got it. Yeah. Last, last year, (laughs) my, uh, you're 11. You're grounded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Last year I talked to my buddy, who got that bear, the double header bears with me. I was like, yeah, like you should put in for the, one of the sheep draws down here. Like it's like a over a hundred to one odds. You will not win it in your lifetime. Like just start putting in. And Elliot just come through. I look at mine another year, nothing for me. I think in 13 years I've had one draw and it was quite far up North. So I think it was a, like a two to one odds. And I get a call from him. He's like, so I got my moose draw. I was like, okay, that's like sweet. Good for you. He's like, I also got that sheep draw. Oh man. And I was like, Fuck. like, no way. Like, what are you talking about? And so like I, you know, living the sheep draw is really close to my house. So I could just drive with the kids and go look for sheep. And we're driving down the road. And my oldest Easton, he goes, Hey dad, I saw sheep. Like, okay. I'll turn around. I'll go look like, let's see what we can find. And I come back, I'm like, how did I drive past these things? They're literally 10 feet off the road. There was like 26 slams in the news. I'm like, <laughs> you're always looking four-year-old. up, you're always looking up high though. Your kids keep it simple. That's the thing. And I noticed the same with my kids because like I'll be driving, like even like with the like, Dad, let's go for let's go find some critters and we'll go into backcountry. So you drive around the logging roads, right? And like I'm up looking way up high and looking in hard spots to find deer or whatever, just to find something walking. And they're looking like straight across or, you know, not too far up the hill. And they're spotting shit left, right, and center. And uh, yeah, they, they, they keep it simple, smart. Yeah. 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 I said to him is if you, if you think you see something, I'll turn around and we'll go look. And you know what? There's very rarely that he ever says, I saw something that it's not there. Like we'll be driving. He's like, I see deer. And you look ahead and you're like, where the fuck do you see these things? And yeah, yeah, here they are working their way up out of a draw across the road. You're like, well, yeah, my four-year-old's outdoing me again. Yeah, yeah. yeah you always got to go back and look. My buddy, he's got a great – every time you're like, oh, it could be nothing. Every time he's like, well, it could be everything. So better to look. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, right on. Thanks for uh, sharing, this, your, sharing with us your story and uh, giving us a little info on – bear grease and bear rendering it's always helpful to know i i say i'm gonna do it but i'm hoping i get a chance to yeah i might try it yeah uh the one advice i give for that tags be bear tags no bear tags oh so you're not you're not gonna do it i guess then no maybe not i'll have to get make sure she gets some (laughs) hey pete did she let you buy any tags well, you don't well, understand. I get to buy so, whatever I want. I don't. I don't Pete, ask permission. I always ask for forgiveness. <laughs> Pete, yeah, Pete. Pete can buy all the tags he wants. It makes no difference yeah. because his wife just don't kill anything. 
His wife does all the killing in his family. So that's how that works. That's why I asked him if yeah. his wife bought any tags. Yeah. That's the only chance he's going to get to do any bear under. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> and I went to go do my LEH tonight. I was hoping that the system was on. I got in and get everything set up except for where you put your hunt codes in. I'm like, what the fuck? So yeah, well, I don't know we'll what's going on there. some point in May. Are those not out yet? Well, they should have been. Look. They should have been out April 15th is when they're always out. And they, they're oh, usually dude, they used due to by come May out. long weekend. Those things, I remember sometimes they'd be coming out in March. Yeah. There's no reason why they have to take so long for those. Well, it's all everybody else now too. And everybody else already knows what they're going to be hunting. Like yeah. we're going to be putting out and we haven't even, we don't even know what draws are available. And they're putting out draws that are going to be available for August 1st. Yeah, which is like so. You're basically going to have a month by the time. Like, when do they complete the draws? The end of June. It's usually May, right after May long weekend. Like, the, yeah, but I think last year was middle of June when we actually heard. Yeah, that. I mean, like when you yeah. actually find out if you're successful or not. Yeah, yeah, it's still. Oh, yeah, it's, usually that's the part that changes all the time. Yeah, Who so knows? Though, now, mid like, June, but forty five like days is a long a... time, especially if you want to do a flying trip or you get a caribou draw and like this that's easy or something. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It hurts those people the most, the ones that are doing the the August hunts and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's, and it's, you know, back in the day, I used to be like, all right, but it's not, you know, I get it. You got to, you know, go through all the mail-ins and all that kind of stuff, but it's all electronic now. There's no excuse why the day that it's done, the next day it's not put out. There's no, there's no reason. It's computerized. Oh, it's garbage. It's so garbage. It's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I just, uh, yeah, I love our, I love our ministry of wildlife in BC. So awesome. Yeah. If any of you guys managed to get in there and are able to put on your hunt codes, let me know. Cause probably well, like if you can't days. put your codes in, mean that the draws are not. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like if anybody does, maybe they're only going to give us a couple days, get them all in, crash the system. It'll be maybe. a big madhouse. I don't know. You're going to snap. Are you like at level eight, Pete, right now? You're getting pretty fired. Level seven, maybe. I am. I, I got a, I need, I need a freaking moose draw. And you won't see me <laughs> until I get a fucking bigger moose. Be like a 10 Pete point had... moose. And be like, no, it's got to be bigger. All right. Okay. <laughs> we better go here because Pete's almost at level eight. <laughs> and we don't want to see him at level eight because no, nobody does. That mic's going to be flying across the room or something. Yeah. I'm glad you <laughs> sent me too. <laughs> I got an extra one here if you need it. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Thanks Great. for thanks uh, a lot. Thanks for joining on the po- or join us on the podcast. Where can everybody find and follow you and and just keep tabs on what you're up to these days? Uh, well, it's pretty simple. It's uh, just my name Taylor uh, on Instagram, and I don't use Facebook other than Marketplace. So yeah. that one spot, or I I don't know if you guys have heard of Spike Camp. Uh, a bit, yeah. We 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 have heard a bit, and uh, um, yeah, we'll talk about that later. I think we're gonna get uh, those guys on the show sometime when we're done talking about bears and all the other guests we have lined up. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, cool, cool, man. Well, and I'll put uh, we'll put your information up to where guys can find you on Instagram. And like last I said last year, you were showing some uh, videos of you make rendering down some bear fat on there. So good stuff. Um, okay, buddy, keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you later, Pete. Nice meeting you. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Okay, guys. Later. Talk to you later. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast. Coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. I want to take a quick sec and make a huge shout out and say thanks to the sponsors of this show. 
uh, starting with BC's premier archery shop, Hardcore Archery, located right here in Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, AKU Boots, they've uh, they've been supporting the show for a while now. Uh, both Pete and I, we've been running these boots for well over a year. You know, hunting in BC, we face probably the harshest backcountry environment in the world. We got deserts, Rocky Mountain, extreme coastlines, you name it. Uh, and these are the only boots that have lasted me more than one hunting season. So, you know, they're definitely worth the investment. You owe it to your feet to uh, use AKU boots. Uh, use promo code FOCUS and get 15% off right. Uh, they're probably going to cringe because I always pronounce the name wrong, but uh, it is what it is. Onyx Maps, now available in Canada. Stay tuned, guys. We've partnered up with Onyx, and we're going to be getting you guys some more information on Onyx and their mapping system for Canada. Uh, for those of you in the U.S., you've already got access to it and most likely been using the app. Pete and I got early access to this app, and to be honest, it rocks. Um, but like I said, we're going to get you more information on that, and we're going to be able to get you guys a little bit of discount. Um, so lastly, if you guys could please leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. We really appreciate the support. Love you guys. Until next time. Thanks.